You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. Today's episode of the Live Different Podcast is sponsored by Under 30 Experiences, our travel company for young people. We take groups of 21 to 35-year-olds on awesome adventures all across the world. Um, We have trips to Brazil, Machu Picchu, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Belize. Um, We go deep into the rainforest. We go up to Iceland, to the glaciers and the volcanoes, Ireland, um, Bali, all, all sorts of different places across the world with awesome groups of young people. If you're sick and tired of sitting at home, sitting in front of your desk, waiting for your coworkers to stop going to the boring happy hour after work and drinking their lives away, and you're tired of all of your friends doing boring things at home, could probably going to the same bar and doing the same old shit. Come on Under 30 Experiences. This is a great commercial. Really like this one. There, It's a candid community, um, and we go and have a really good time. And uh, there's no egos, divas, or complainers allowed. So check out under30experiences.com and come travel with us. Hello, everybody. In today's episode of the Live Different podcast, we have a bonus episode, a short episode, and this is one that is really uh, important to me because I think it is the best interview um, that I've ever conducted and probably nothing to do with what I did here. Um, this was actually recorded about four years ago and the guest is Tim Sanders. He's an author. He's the former right-hand man of Mark Cuban. And um, it's, a, it's a short episode because it was a under30ceo.com interview that I did a while back. But it's one that I often go back to and listen to because it is a guy straight up, point blank, giving me advice and saying, this is what you need to do. Here is how to cut the bullshit from your business, from your startup, from your life. All of these are applicable. I mean, he talks about his grandmother who taught him all of this lessons, which allowed him to really do well in business. Um, but it's a bonus episode for you guys. I really wanted to get this out there because I rarely... Uh, I I do go back and listen to my own voice um, to check it and see how it flows, et cetera, et cetera. uh, But it's a difficult thing to do for a lot of people is to listen to themselves. Um, And uh, it's part of getting getting better, of course. But this is one that I routinely, over the past four years, have gone back to listen to. Even though it's not my most enjoyable thing to go back and listen to myself, I don't actually say so much. Uh, Tim Sanders absolutely rocks this one. So get back, uh, get back, get ready to sit back and enjoy. This one really rocks. With Tim Sanders, New York Times bestselling author, he's coming out with a new book. We want to say hello to Tim and let him tell us a little bit about that. And the book is all about something that's really important for young entrepreneurs, and that's confidence. So, so Tim's going to. Uh, Drop us a little bit of knowledge on the subject and see what you can do to help our entrepreneurial audience. Tim, what's going on? Matt, glad to be with you, dude. So hey, so tell me a little bit about your book real quick. You were telling me uh, off camera. So Today We Are Rich is a book about some confidence principles I was raised on by my grandmother, of all folks, based on the masters of the 30s, Napoleon Hill, Norman Vincent Peale, Dale Carnegie, etc. 
And these principles turned my life around. And in my early 30s, I, well, I'd say mid-30s, helped me go from sales guy to Mark Cuban's right-hand guy to chief solutions officer at Yahoo five years flat, five years flat. And it can work for you too. And it's a book about seven different ways you gain that inner mojo. And as entrepreneurs, it's important to take risks, to seize opportunities, and most importantly, to effectively lead other people. I mentioned this before, Napoleon Bonaparte once said, and I believe this, the leader's role is to define reality and then give hope. The leader's role is to define reality and then give hope. Could you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, Napoleon's implication, and, and various folks I know from, from Ken Chenault at, at American Express to Michael Dell, would tell you that that's a fantastic definition for leadership because it evokes the idea that it's all about balance. You know, the leader is the one that's not freaking out when everybody else is, right? I mean, that's fundamentally. Right. The leader is the one that says that won't work when everybody else has come down with group thank. You see what I'm saying? Sure. Just see it like as a, say that this is reality and this is hope and there's a timeline. The best leaders in the world are right in the middle. They maintain credibility, but they also have this ability to inspire other people. Because listen to me, Matt, in a startup or any entrepreneurial effort, the mood state is live or die. It's not cash. Don't be seduced by cash flow being king when you're young. As a young company, your people have to come to work like they do at Groupon, like they do at Twitter every day with a fire in their belly. They can't wait to get there. They feel like they're being challenged. They love it. They love working for you. Um, you're tough but fair. See the idea? And when they come to work, they try. And from a technical standpoint, in anything creative, this is important because if your body's producing good mood vibes, it also produces DHEA, which raises your brain leverage capacity by at least, at least 300%. If you come to work and you don't like the environment, it's the opposite. It produces the stress hormone cortisol. It cuts that ability to leverage your brain from 10 to 3%. That's why when I look at one startup beat another, most often it's usually the culture of the organization and that comes from leaders. When a place is an ugly, if, if it's an ugly place to work, I say this always, that fish stinks from the head. Okay, so you mentioned tough but fair, and you were, if you're Mark Cuban's right-hand man, is Mark, even, is Mark even fair sometimes? We've all heard stories. How, how crazy well, are you working with him? Let me, yeah, you know, in Today We Are Rich, my book, I talk about Cuban in a couple of different scenarios. People ask me all the time, what was it like to work for Mark Cuban? I was there at the beginning, AudioNet, and then later Broadcast.com, and I was there when he was the captain in the chair for the Victoria's Secret fashion show in 98 that I produced that crashed the internet. So I've had the guy high-five me. I've had the guy scream at me. Uh, I've had it all with him, okay? But let me tell you something. He's not only an Ayn Rand fan, he's a huge Napoleon Hill fan. And here's what Napoleon Hill said about entrepreneurs, and he should know. Because Napoleon Hill interviewed young Edison and Henry Ford and all those cats, okay? So he knows. The entrepreneurs got two qualities. They know which thing to do first and they do it completely. But most importantly, number two, they are quick to make decisions based on specialized information and gut. And they are slow to undo them once it's going. Okay. Okay, now think about that. The average entrepreneur is all consensus building, trying to be fair and listen to everybody's point of view. And he makes a really concerted effort to take his time not make a mistake, and then he does it, and then the first moment it doesn't work, he undoes it to cut his losses. Napoleon Hill warned us about those kind of people. VC should never give those kind of people money. Cuban makes a decision now. Now, he may stay up all night last night to research it and read 5,000 pages on it. He's an animal. 
but he'll listen to an idea and decide the minute he's got enough information to let his gut guide him. And that's whether he's buying a, a multi-million dollar plane online or whether he's deciding in about 20 minutes time to sell the company to Yahoo for $5.8 instead of hanging out a few days to see if AOL was on tap. That's awesome. Okay, so that, how do you That's confidence. You, that's confidence. That's exactly what I was going to ask. How do you take trust in your gut and then how do you have confidence to actually trust your gut? There's two things in the book I talk about that if you want to be the next Mark Cuban, I mean, forget the, the funky looking face and, and some of the other things you read, but if you want to have that ability to jump like he's done and make it work, number one, you feed your mind good stuff. Every day you should be investing an hour, probably your first waking hour, reading hard to read stuff that improves your performance as a leader or gives you visibility into the future. Cuban probably at the peak of this thing in 96, 97, 98, 99, that fool was reading a book every other day, cover to cover, desperately finding time, pushing everything away, diving into the future. If there was a book written about where the internet was going for the next 10 years, he read it all. He knew more than any professor I ever met about how the thing worked. And he told me the future is in the bookstore. It always has been. It's just that people wake up and check their email and they eat fast food media and they, they hang out with a bunch of other losers uh, and waste time being jealous about the winners. He fed his mind good stuff and that's the first step. So all of our, all of our readers are asking, okay, if I'm staying up all night reading books, when am I going to be worried about cash flow? And you said, you mentioned okay. it's, it's about the so, fire in your belly, not the cash flow. Okay, first of all, first of all, you know, Cuban read fast, and that's true. He'd read an hour or two before he'd go to bed. He'd read an hour when he gets up. That's three hours. He'd read 30 minutes over lunch. It's three and a half hours. He took some speed reading. If you do the math, he can read a book every two days at that rate. He was committed, Matt. He checked reading books like fools check their emails or social media status or keep rereading the same spreadsheets over and over again. We waste three quarters of our time as entrepreneurs, three quarters of our time. Your meetings as an entrepreneur startup should not be two hours long. They should be 40 minutes long. Run like the TED conference. At SAS Institute, Jim Goodnight used to bring a stopwatch to the meeting and instructed all senior executives to walk out when it's supposed to be over. PowerPoint presentations are banned to run meetings, and it's not about getting everybody to agree. It's about deciding and seizing the opportunity and making sure we're bringing everything to bear. If you really want to be a reader, you can. It's just that people don't have the the guts to do it. The American Bookseller Association finds that the average business person reads 0.7 business books cover to cover every year. 0.7, that's, that's pretty pathetic. Now they buy three, but they don't finish them. And then there's all the statistics about how much you actually retain. And it's, that's it's right. not that The much. average 5, 000, Fortune 5000 executive, in contrast, was reading 6.78 cover to cover. Listen to me, readers are leaders. They invest in the right things. So it really depends. If you want to, you can know everything that's coming about IP telephone, everything that's coming about wireless power, the next trillion dollar business. There's books out there. If you haven't read Kurzweil's book on exponentialism, you're missing it. So if you guys take one thing away from the call, or of all the under 30 CE real take one thing away. Invest time in understanding the future. Invest time in changing the conversation at your company and fire Chicken Little and not hire unhappy people that are trying to bring everybody else down. Define reality is fine, but we've done this for two, three years at this point. If you look at all the recessions of history and email me for the study, I'm Tim at TimSanders.com. If you look at this, all the studies since 1901 and recessions, all the great leaps, Kellogg's over Post, Chrysler over every, they got, went to number two in the 30s. iPod, 2001. Hyundai, 2010. Every single one of these folks, blinders. 
they, they didn't obsess over CNBC or the stock market. They focused on the reality of the market and looked for opportunities. These are called Phoenix companies, Matt, and, and that's what I'm talking about. That's why confidence is so important to invest time in, and it's a lifestyle design decision. It's not something you prescribe to someone. So what else are people... So many people have you know, read Tim Ferriss and the 4-Hour Workweek and the Low Information Diet. What are the things, what else are we wasting our time on as entrepreneurs so that we can change our lifestyle and so that we can absorb as much information and apply it ex exactly to our business? Well, your results may vary, but in the book I talk about this idea that if you actually kept a journal for a week, like you would if you were trying to lose weight, if you kept a journal for a week that just kind of tracked where you spent your time, you would be shocked that most of it is in very long meetings and email farming and surfing sessions. There's a document I send out to all my people. I started doing it at Yahoo. It cut my email in half. It's called the clear document. And it basically says, I want you to ask five questions of yourself before you copy me, before you send me the next email, before you hit reply to all, which costs $5 at my company. It costs you five bucks to reply to all because it's a disease. All right. And the clear document asks five questions. And by the way, if you want that, email me. I'm Tim at timsanders.com. The clear document says, C, is it connected to my job? L, give me a list of things you want me to do about it. That kills a lot of email. E, what are your expectations if I drop everything and get involved? A, what are my avenues to delegate this to someone else? And R, what's the return on attention? When I sent that out to the young yahoos back during the crises days of 03 and 04, when I was looking at 600 incomings a day, it cut in half or more. And I began to create a culture inside the organization that said readership is leadership and if people stop reading your stuff, you need to quit. So we learned that people that send the least amount of emails that fit the, all the information in the preview pane have exponentially higher readership in an organization. They're part of the solution. They're not part of the noise. So, so you'd be surprised, but it starts with journaling. And if you really want to turn your life around on time management, just see where you're spending all your time and scrutinize it. And remember, that's time you could be spending mentoring or learning, and these are the things that create confidence, not surfing, gazing, or trying to keep up with email because you're not going to push back. Here's the other thing, and I don't need to go on too long about this, Matt, but stop carrying a phone. Are you kidding me? Real executives don't carry smartphones when they go out. That's what underlings do that are addicted to it. If you're a startup and you want to get your people to get empowered and start being accountable, let your wife's phone be the backup that you use to call the police if you're mugged or your kid needs something. But leave your smartphone at home. It might keep you married longer, too, that if you could actually go on a date with your spouse and not look at status media updates while the dinner's coming, okay? That's another big trend I'm seeing in executive space. Eric Schmidt doesn't carry a smartphone in the evenings and weekends. You know why? Because he wants his people to think of him as a black hole after work. And you know what they do? They make decisions. We want to teach our people to grow up if we keep carrying a bell around like some new employee in a startup. And I'm not being critical. I was a gadget guy. I was the director of marketing at Bell Mobile Systems in 86 when they launched cellular. So I've carried a phone most of my life. I stopped doing it so I have time now to mentor people and feed my mind good stuff. Tim, and I, I say this with love. I say I, this with love, you guys. I, I love the passion. I love the enthusiasm. And it's all about if you're going to be a leader, you need that confidence. And That's right. I think today... Today We Are Rich is going to help our young entrepreneurs figure that out. Yeah, and I just want to say one other thing. It's a story, and it's about a remarkable woman named Billy. And a lot of you were made influenced by your grandmother like I was or some elder from the Great Depression. Those folks have all the answers for the kinds of things we're going through, and they have an answer for the end to recession-itis. I mentioned this too, Matt. 
you know, they can download from your site. I'm sure you'll have a link to it. They can download that free PDF, the whole Feed Your Mind Good Stuff chapter that's e-reader friendly. It's free, and I, and I really want your audience to take advantage of that. No, and I can attest, I've read it on my iPad. It's fantastic, and uh, I got the book in the mail, and I'm going to keep hammering through it. So I'm excited, Tim. Thanks for taking out the time. Hey, you guys. Like I said, reach out to me, uh, the under 30 CEO. I mean, look, you guys are a huge audience for, for exactly what I'm talking about. You are the future of this country because you make things and you move us forward. So go get them. Tim, you rocked it. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, man.